it's God first, other second, yourself third. The unique and cool thing about it is if you have that perspective, it comes back around to benefit you. Iwoo Hoops presents The Pursuit. Go inside the locker room as Iwoo Hoops trades the pursuit of me for the pursuit of three. Welcome to Series 3 of The Pursuit. I'm Jeff Clark, one of the men's basketball coaches at Indiana Wesleyan. In Season 1, we told the story God wrote of how the men in our program traded the pursuit of me for the pursuit of three, ultimately culminating in a national championship. Here's Coach Tonegal in Episode 1 talking about how pursuing God first and others second translates to any context. It's just ripe for the market. I think it's ripe for culture. Because our culture wants greatness. I am third ultimately produces greatness. I think it produces greatness inside of individuals, inside of organizations, in, inside of teams, which is the exact opposite as we've talked about the, the pull of me, which I think just distorts that greatness. This series will take listeners inside each program in IWU's athletic department, sharing how each coach is flipping the world's vision of leadership upside down, instead pursuing kingdom greatness through discipleship. The terminology in each program may be different, and the application may change. But the coaches at IWU believe pursuing God first and others second is a powerful way to live and to lead in any context. Today's episode will feature the tennis program. Coach Eddie Shigley will join in the first half to talk about the Wildcat way, which has led to records being broken on the court and lives being changed off of it. Last year, the men's team set a program record with 29 wins. And in the last three seasons, the women's team has 104 victories, which is first in the nation. In the second half, senior Tyler Abbott and junior Lizzie Boss will join to share their experience in the program. And overtime will feature AD Mark DeMichael continuing the conversation about the athletic department's countercultural vision of leadership pulled from Philippians 2. We're joined now by Coach Eddie Shigley. Coach, you guys have obviously had high level success. Can you talk to listeners about the overall vision of your programs? Yeah, absolutely, Jeff. Thank you for inviting me on the program. Um, we developed a few years ago what we call the Wildcat Way, and in the Wildcat Way, it's a, it's a, it's a guidebook for what our program is about. So we start with our core values, uh, we start with our, our mission, we start with our vision, and we actually start with athletic, the overall athletic uh, department core values and mission, and then we get specific with tennis. And, um, and then we move to our expectations that we have for our student athletes in every area of their life. So whether that's academically and what we expect from them in the classroom, um, whether we go on the road and what we expect from them in a, in a hotel, uh, when we go to a restaurant, whatever that might be, it, it spells out all of our expectations. And in that, we, we give our vision and we give our core values of who we are. And I think a, a student athlete who comes to IWU and wants to play for our tennis program, whether it's men's tennis or women's tennis, we want them obviously to buy into the Wildcat way. We want them to buy into our core values. And typically it's not like an overnight kind of a thing that happens. It's kind of progressive. It, they, they grow into it. For some people, it, they embrace it immediately. This is who I am. This is what I'm about. I'm excited to be here. And ultimately, what I kind of tell, not kind of, what I tell our recruits is that um, at Indiana Wesleyan, we are part of the, the grand experiment. And the grand experiment is, can we win at the highest level at the, NAI, at the NAIA and at the same time bring glory and honor to Jesus Christ? And when they ponder that a little bit, I tell them, I said, I think we can. I think we can do just that. 
I think our program can be different from every other program that you've experienced, from every program that you're in college that you have visited to this point. And we know that for the fact because I also see it in our men's basketball program. I see that happening. I see national titles being won, and, and they are giving glory and honor to Christ. And that's the kind of program we want, we want to have as well. I'm excited to take listeners inside some more of those details as we move along. But before we get there, I know you've mentioned just the uniqueness of the tennis recruiting environment and trying to build that type of culture because of it. Can you take us inside that? Absolutely. The, the tennis recruiting environment is this. So many of the, the high-level tennis players um, have been brought up into the USTA world, and that's a very individualistic world where their mom and dad, uh, mom or dad, or a family would take them to tournaments to play high-level competition. And it's brutal. It's, it's highly competitive, but it's also brutal in terms of people don't like each other. And there's, they're, they're mean, they're nasty, um, they're, they, they try to cheat oftentimes to get ahead. Um, because for them, it's about getting a full ride scholarship to a D1 program. And so that's the environment in which our recruits have grown up in. And for many of them, they hate that. They hate that environment. And it's very individualistic And because many of them haven't even played for a high school team because maybe their team wasn't very good or they, for, they, they didn't play on a team so they could play on the USTA circuit instead. And so we then try to bring them into a team environment that tells them that one of our core values is that the team is more important than any individual on our team and that we sometimes need the individual must sacrifice in order for the good of the team and so when we talk about those core values it's the beginning stages in order to form the team instead of it's not about you it's ultimately about Jesus Christ and then it's about the team comes next before it's about any person at all so that has to be a shock to a lot of players because they grow up in this environment where it's all about an individual. Mm-hmm. And then you start reading Philippians 2. You talk yes. about yeah. the athletic department. Dying to mission. self. And what's it like to start to see those shifts in your athlete as they start to learn what that truly yeah. means? Well, you start to see the shifts because instead of them saying, hey, I've got to play number one. You know, I've got to play one dubs. I've got to be at the top of the lineup. It shifts to, Coach, I, will pl- I had a conversation with a girl this week. And uh, I, I said, um, where do you want to play in the lineup? And her response was, Coach, I will play wherever you need me to play. And they begin to die to self. They begin to understand humility. They begin to understand what it is to have compassion for your opponents. They begin to understand what it is to truly love your enemy as Jesus commands us to love our enemies. And we view that in the sporting context. Loving our enemies is loving our opponents. And so for us, how can we... Uh, you know, how can we beat our opponents with kindness? That's one of our core values is to beat them with kindness. And so instead of meanness, instead of viciousness, we will never cheat. We'll never stoop to that. And we are going to try to win at the highest level, but do it in such a way that we value our opponent. We love our opponent. We treat them with kindness and respect. And that's all built into a team dynamic, into a team uh, concept and a, and a team core value and mission. So it sounds really good, but I'm sure there's some coaches and listeners who are saying, you know, that sounds great in theory, but we want to win. And then I look at your record over the last three years in the women's side, winning more than any program in college tennis. On the men's side, setting a school record for wins. Connect the dots between that countercultural way of building a tennis program and the type of success your program has had. For us, we have to define what success is. Um, and for us, the ultimate success is, can we grow in our relationship with Christ? And then in our daily activities, can we, we're about pleasing Him. 
So whether that's on the tennis court, whether it's in our social interactions, whether it's on a date with our boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever that case might be, whether it's in our Jeff and our marriages, you know, how can we please God in those contexts? And for you and I too, how can we please God in our family, in our parenting context, in our work environment? We got to transfer those kind of concepts to our student athletes. And so for us, it's 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 about okay, what's success? Success is growing in our relationship with Christ. Success is um, how can we um, love our opponents um, well? Success is um, how can we come together as a team? And so when we redefine success. Um, then that's completely different. It's, it's about loving God and, and loving others. And so I think people are drawn and attracted to that. And I think some of the athletes of the highest caliber in tennis are drawn to that. And that also ends up success on the tennis court as well as we redefine what that success is and what it means. And, and my guess would be ultimately what we talked a lot about in series one is when we focus on ourselves, we turn inward and it yeah. limits the greatness that we yes. have even on the court because yeah. we're thinking only of ourselves. And my, my guess would be you have players over time as they start to focus outwards and thinking of God first and other yeah. seconds, they come to reach their potential in tennis on the tennis court in new ways. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I, in some ways it takes pressure off of them as well that when they go out on the tennis court, some people think this adds pressure, but I don't think it does. When you go on the tennis court, they're not just playing for themselves any longer, okay? They're playing for Jesus Christ. They're playing for their family. They're representing their family. They represent Indiana Wesleyan University. And when they know, back to this whole thing about, um, you know, the pastor of Scripture says, um, perfect love drives out fear. That word drives, okay? It drives out fear that they don't have to be scared when it's match point and they and and a match point against them and they've already missed their first serve they're now into their second serve the way they we love them it's not about whether they produce on the court or not yeah we want great results on the court everybody does every coach does but i think it takes that pressure off of them and they can play freely in Christ because their identity is in Christ not in who they are as a tennis player and i think it's in a lot of ways it takes the pressure off so you have some complexity in your leadership position just because you're dealing with a team of men yes. and a team of women. Yes. So as you approach that and pray for that and yeah. lead that, how do you balance that tension? Yeah, men and women are very different. Um, I love that we have both teams together because I think they complement each other. Just as God has designed us as men and women and we are designed to complement one another, we have seen that uh, as far as our tennis teams. And it's Jeff, it is amazing to see the two teams come together to love each other well, purely, in a, in a pure way, in a holy way, and then for them to complement each other in terms of their strengths and their giftedness, uniqueness, their, their weaknesses, and, and, and the way they encourage each other. Like when one team is done, the other team is staying there. They're not wanting to leave. They stay there and cheer until both teams are finished, which is incredible to see. Last thing, when we were prepping for this, it, your passion came alive when you said you really believe that this is the best tennis program for an athlete to come to of anywhere in the country at any level. Yeah. And it was obvious you believe that. Take us inside why you believe that. Yeah, so it's it's drilled into the heads and hearts of kids from when they're young. When they start lessons with a pro, a tennis pro, at age five or six or seven or eight, it's drilled in their head that success is playing at a D1 school. That That's how they define success. And um, so when we, when we enter into a conversation with a student athlete who's a very, very good athlete and could play almost anywhere on the D1 level, 
and we enter into a conversation with them. They come and visit us, and we enter into a deeper conversation discussion. And then we make their, let's say, their final three schools. And um, if they don't choose us, I am grieved. And I'm not grieved for us. Okay, I'm not grieved that that student athlete who's a phenomenal athlete and a phenomenal person is not coming to IWU. I'm grieved for them because I truly believe that for players who want to play at the highest level, who want to grow as a tennis player, that we are their best choice. We, we have D1 facilities. I mean, we, have, we play D1 competition. I'm truly grieved because I don't think they will have, they don't know what they're missing out. And they will not have their best experience they possibly could have unless they come here. I believe if they really want to grow in Christ and get better as a tennis player and play ultimate competition, the best choice they can choose is Indiana West University. And I believe that with my entire heart. And when we come back, we'll bring on a, a female and male athlete from Coach Shigley's team and let them talk about their experience here. This podcast was created to take you behind the scenes of building an I Am Third culture in a basketball program. But IW Hoops believes this philosophy can translate to any context. As we enter this one-minute halftime, we want to let you hear from our sponsor, Insurance Management Group, who is building a culture of I Am Third in the insurance industry right here in Indiana. Here's IMG President Trent Daly. Pursuing the I Am Third lifestyle has helped me grow as a leader in all aspects of life. Putting God first, my colleagues and customers second, and myself third has impacted IMG in ways I couldn't have imagined. At IMG, we have a passion for people and helping them achieve their goals. We are not just an insurance agency. We are a culture and an experience. You should expect more from your insurance agent. Visit us now at www.insmgt.com. Now back to the second half. We're joined now by senior Tyler Abbott and junior Lizzie Boss from the tennis program. Tyler, we just heard Coach Shigley talk about the Wildcat way. Can you take listeners inside what impact that has on the program? Absolutely. So the Wildcat way, uh, we spend time during preseason just walking through um, who we are as a team and uh, what expectations Coach has of us as as a team together, um, not only on the court but also off the court and in the classroom. And uh, it's just it's awesome to be able to walk through this kind of stuff together because uh, it just it gives us something to to aim at together. Like uh, it, it increases our unity, I would say, because um, I think it's important for us to know who we are as a team um, in order to like live that out. If you don't know who you are as a team and, and what you're going after, then you're living and acting as a team kind of aimlessly. So, so we'll we'll get to it what success that's led to on the court later. But, Lizzie, maybe you can talk. How does that play out off the court for your team? Um, it's just played out in so many different ways. You know, we really come together as a team off the court. Um, one thing we do is we have Bible studies at our coach's house every Sunday night. Um, both girls and guys have their own Bible studies. Um, this year, something new that we're doing is we all are going to be mentors for Kids Hope um, at Francis Slocum which I think is just an awesome opportunity, and it's really, really going to push some people out of their comfort zone, um, which I think is always a great um, opportunity. And I know we're all just super excited about it, to be able to give back and invest um, in Grant County and invest in kids who live in this area. In the first half, Coach Shigley talked 
with passion about why he thinks Indiana Wesleyan is the place that a recruit should go. And he believed it with all <laughs> yeah. his heart. And yeah. Lizzie, I know he was telling me you were the second-ranked player in the state of Michigan, and you had a lot of options, and you chose Indiana Wesleyan. So maybe take listeners back into why you chose Indiana Wesleyan, and now if you could do it over, would you make the same decision? Yeah, so when I was looking at colleges, um, I had a lot of different offers, a lot of different um, opportunities, and something about Iowa just really drew me here. You know, it felt like home. Um, I absolutely loved the girls on the team. I loved Coach. Um, and I just had a really good feeling about the school. And I just, I got the vibe from Coach when I was talking to him when he was recruiting me that I would get so much more out of um, the school than just a tennis career. Um, and I could really tell that Coach Shigley cared about the girls and took the time to invest in them besides just being a tennis player. Um, and I just have gotten so much out of being at IWU these past three years. Um, I've developed relationships that I know I'm going to have for years and years down the road um, with both the guys and girls on the teams. Um, and I've just had uh, so many awesome opportunities on the team. Um, and I just really couldn't ask for anything better. And if I had to go back and um, had the opportunity to make a college decision again, I 100% would choose IWU every time. That's really powerful because as college coaches, we're paid to be able to sell a program. But to hear someone who's been through the experience to say, this is what it's meant for me, I would do it again, means a lot more. Tyler, could you reflect on that anymore? Why is Indiana Wesleyan such a great place for an elite-level player to come to? Yeah, I think it just gives those elite players an opportunity to to get, to get be invested in on like not just a sport, but also who they are as a person. Um, it, it, you can use your platform and your abilities as a player to, be, to come to an awesome place like this where you can be invested in and poured into as a person and ultimately as a child of God. So. So, so when you came here years ago, you were a very good player. You had a lot of success and you were coming in. How was the level of play here compared to what you expected? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I think coming in, I, I was expecting it to be a little bit lower level of play. Um, but when coming in, like, I mean, I think a lot of people, when they get to the college level, they just excel. Like, they just flourish. Um, I know we had a freshman come in last year um, that was all, already an amazing player. But, and then once he got, like, a season under his belt, he just flourished and became, like, really, really good. Um, and I think that that just kind of it shows you that there, it's a different – it's almost a different sport when you get into the college program. Um, the level of play is definitely higher than what you – expect coming in and it's it's no coincidence that your program both on the men's and women's side is having national level success because you guys are getting high level players and I know that's only going to continue but one of the things that intrigued me talking to coach Sigley is how to develop a team because there's there's two things going against you quote unquote one would be you have a men's and women's team and the other is as Coach Shigley explained, it's just such a different environment growing up in tennis because it's such an individualized sport. So how has that played out in your guys' experience? Yeah, so junior tennis um, is extremely cutthroat. Um, it's all about you and yourself and your success, and everyone else is trying to take you down. I personally didn't really enjoy junior tennis, and I didn't um, – I don't know, I was definitely ready to be done with it just because of how much pressure you felt going into every single match because everyone wants to take you down. Um, but coming to college, like Tyler said, I've just really flourished in my game because 
it's now a team sport and it's so much more fun as a team sport and when you're having an off day you have all your other teammates to cheer you on and pick you back up um, and our team is just so extremely close because our coach really emphasizes that we are a team and that we will support each other and love each other through everything um, and also just the closeness of the women's and men's tennis team is crazy like I never would have expected us to be as close as we are um, the guys on the team are all super great and they're some of my closest guy friends and we all hang out together um, outside of anything tennis which is awesome and they're just they're awesome supporters you know one of my favorite memories was last year after we uh, lost in the final championship of NCCAAs and all us girls were pretty emotional and crying and the guys were just standing there um, just with arms open and just gave us all big hugs and said that they were so proud of us. Um, so that was just honestly like one of my favorite moments so far of even being here at IWU. It's just really awesome to see how close our teams are. Yeah, and I think that that's something that you kind of have to learn mm -hmm. and develop coming out of juniors, how to be on a team um, together. Uh, I think you know, since it's so cutthroat and you're out there by yourself and juniors, when you come to to a team, you have to learn, like, man, this is bigger than just my match. I could win my match every single time, and we still lose. And so you have to learn how to, like, encourage and help other people to play their best as well. So, And it sounds a little bit like this is countercultural in tennis because it is an individual Absolutely. sport. But what I hear you saying is you're finding more joy. You're actually – your individual game is going to another level – because you're submitting to the good of the team. Right. So how have you seen that play out? You come in and you're in this cutthroat world and it's individual. How have you seen your game go to another level because you're part of something greater than yourself? I think just like when you get out there on the court and it like it's coming down to the wire, like it could come down to your match. Um, and you know that you're playing not just for yourself and not just for your own ranking and such, but you're playing for the rest of the team. They're all putting in everything they have. Um, and so it may come down to you. And so like, it gives you another motivation uh, and just a fire to like really push hard and to play your absolute best. And so I think it just gives you a, another motivation to, to do well. So Yeah, for sure. When you're out there battling in a match, sometimes the best thing is just to look over and to see Everyone on the side watching you, cheering you on, pushing you through this match. Um, it's just, it's honestly like almost indescribable the feeling um, when you have all those people cheering you on and uh, helping you get through those really tough times. We're joined by AD Mark DeMichael. Coach, in our last episode, we started unpacking the, one of the three pillars of Philippians 2 that are seen in our athletic department that, that you lead with. Can you just briefly summarize those for listeners who are, who are listening in for the first time? Yeah, I'd love to. With Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 11 being our department scripture verses, um, as we, we got into those several years ago and, and looked at those verses and tried to pull out, okay, what does the Lord want from us from this? Three things really came out of those, and those are now the pillars that we refer to. And those are um, humility in Christ, uh, unity in the Holy Spirit, and servant leadership. So last time we talked about the humility of Christ. Let's go a little deeper in servant leadership. How do you see that playing out within our athletic department, and why is it so important? Well, it's important because I believe that the single greatest leader that's ever walked this earth was Jesus Christ. And he led through service, and he led through sacrifice. And so as we, we read the Word and, and see the life that he lived, um, 
and and service to his father, God the Father, that is a great model, and that that is servant leadership. So we strive to be that, and it's it's about you influencing others. And if you want to influence others, you need to build a relationship. You build a relationship through trust, and you build a relationship through investing in others, not in yourself. And that gives you influence, and that starts with. Um, stepping back and making others more important than yourself and showing them that you love them unconditionally. You're there for what's best for them. And you're going to put that before yourself. And uh, that's certain leadership. And, and that's what we're striving for. Self-sacrifice, putting others before ourselves. That doesn't sound like the typical model in the world of college athletics. Why do you think it's not? And why should it be? You know, the athletics culture, I think, generates uh, a a power hungry type of culture. It, it's about domination. You know, you win by, by dominating your opponents. So the whole culture is about whether it's physical, emotional, psychological warfare is how a lot of people would put it. So that creates this whole thing. Okay. Leadership then is the dominant personality. You have the power in the situation and you control the other people to do what you want them to do. And that's, I think the athletic culture generates that kind of definition of leadership. And um, that's not biblical. That's not how call, God has called us to lead. And so we really stri- are striving with our athletes to try to help them understand through the Holy Spirit and through the Lord working and transforming your heart, you see others as more important than you because you're seeing them through God's eyes. And then you want, because you love them, you want to, to serve them and, and invest in them and then they're open to you and open to the Lord using you to really impact their lives. Let's connect this to the tennis program. You know, we heard a lot in the first two interviews about an individual sport and trying to create a team out of that. Why is servant leadership so important? How are you seeing that play out on the teams? Yeah, tennis is really a unique sport at the college level in that it is an individual sport. I think if you ask 10 people on the street, all 10 of them would tell you Tennis is an individual sport, not a team sport. That's what we see. So you have this individual sport mentality that all the athletes come into with and that they get reinforced at because they're playing their own match. They have a score when they play, and they're either going to win or lose their match. But then there's this team component that's on top of it that really is the ultimate measure of success athletically. So the ability to be able to find a balance between your own personal success that's out there measured by winning and losing um, not just playing well, you win or lose, but then the team success on top of that, more important than that, really sets it up for there either be selfishness in that my my goal and my winning my match is more important than the team or servant leadership in that I'm going to be happy and strive and encourage and be a support for my teammates through this no matter what happens in my match. And I've seen that that growth in our both our men's and women's tennis teams in an, an amazing way, especially over the last couple of years, been a real change in culture in that program where you go and you watch and I see our, our best tennis players, our one and two singles players on our women's team, we're playing the best opponents from every other team, play incredible matches and end up on the, the losing side. And as soon as they're done, they're going down to court number three to watch the number five singles player battle it out, putting that disappointment behind them to go and support and invest in their teammate who's out there trying to win a point for the team. And it's just a great example of what serving leadership looks like. It's really fun to watch this develop under Coach Shigley's leadership because the team really is performing at levels unheard of 
But they even go a step further and not just say, hey, within your individual team, we're going to try to practice this, but we're actually going to try to unite the men's and the women's program. That's another level of servant leadership. How have you seen that play out? Yeah, it's it's been an amazing two years to watch that happen. The the two teams were very separate up until two years ago. They had different coaches. They did their own thing. They, the only thing they had in common was they played the same sport, but they did nothing together. And Coach Shealy has really um, emphasized strength and unity and, and humbling yourself. And there was competition between the two teams. And I think there's still now friendly competition. But for that that unity to happen, the leaders on those teams who have been part of the teams earlier that had so much success, they really need to humble themselves and swallow their pride and look at the men's team or the women's team as sharers of a mission. Share They share this ministry that we're called to do through IW Tennis. So we're going to swallow our pride and we're going to put Christ's calling on our lives first and we're going to reach out and we're going to be better doing this together because God has called us to be a community in him and unified in his Holy Spirit. But to get there, it takes humility. And both of the teams and the, leader, the student leaders on those teams did that under Eddie Shigley's leadership. And the result has been a pretty amazing thing to watch. And I think the listeners heard that in Tyler and Lizzie's interview in the second half. You could feel the unity between the teams. Last question, Coach DeMichael. Talk to a leader of an athletic program who maybe is still living out of the world's paradigm of success and power. And for them, it feels a little intimidating to make this shift of focus on servant leadership. Maybe a quick word of encouragement to that leader. I understand the fear because everything about the feedback we get in the world of athletics is you have to do it this way. It's about power and domination and um, control. And But what I can say to you is when we when you are able to turn that over to the Lord and he'll, he'll take that fear away and he'll give the courage to, sit, to enable you to see the potential in those student athletes if they can be rid of the fear that they're carrying and the weight that they're carrying that comes from the expectation of where they're seeing value and all those things that weigh us down as athletes and coaches. God is there and just waiting for us to release those to him. And when that weight is released, the joy and the victory that you see that's an eternal victory in the lives of student athletes and in coaches, um, it's worth it. It's worth it. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Pursuit. If you were challenged to grow from this podcast, please rate or review us on your podcast platform or share with those you know as it helps multiply the impact. If you have a question you would like to ask iWoo Hoops on a future episode, hashtag AskIWooHoops or email jeff.clark at indwes.edu. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at iWoo Hoops. Join us next time right here on The Pursuit. And remember, if you want to be first, first find a way to be third.